my MO from the beginning was to uh, try to reach people who were like me before I went vegan. Because obviously, like, you know, I, I ate basically the same kind of food that I have on my Instagram, just the non-vegan version. Welcome to the first ever episode of the Teacher's Table podcast, a podcast for anyone interested in veganism or plant-based food, whether you're vegan or not. I'm Jonathan, Teacher's companion animal. It's his show, really, but he doesn't have a mouth, so I'll be hosting. On the show today, we'll tackle a dilemma sent in by a sapling vegan, plus I'll be interviewing the Burger Dude, Safely distanced, of course, with 9,000 kilometers between us. But first, it's time for... John and Val. Vegan Wines with John and Val. There we go. May I have your glass? Thank you. Serve myself. So, uh, to the first episode of the Teacher's Table podcast, I would say. Yay, party! <laughs> Cheers. Cheers. So, I'm sitting here with uh, Val Galado. We go way back. How many years is it? Uh, um, I would say like eight years or Eight something. years. Uh, and Val was actually one of the inspirations to me to go vegan because before I wow. met Val... <laughs> yes, it's true. Before I met you, uh, I had met some vegans, but I didn't know them very well. And all I knew of them is that they would only order fries in restaurants when we went out and stuff like that. And I, it just seemed too extreme to me. I didn't understand. And they were also different times, of course. That was quite a while ago now. Yeah. Uh, there were fewer options available for those that were vegan. And you were the first vegan I knew well. And I realized that vegans could be intelligent and they could be funny and uh, and normal and not 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 to put you down but uh, normal in in the best I feel very normal. in the best sense of the word um so yeah and we also wrote a vegan comic book together but yeah we've um collaborated before so the concept of uh, vegan wines is simple we'll drink vegan wines and we'll answer your dilemmas relating to veganism uh, we've got one today from someone in the UK. They call themselves Violet Lines. Uh, let Val read that out. Let's see. Um, dear John and Val, I've been vegan for about six months now and thus always check ingredients of things in the shop before buying them. However, sometimes I've noticed that even when there's no animal products listed in the ingredients, there's still occasionally an allergy warning saying may contain traces of milk, eggs, etc. For example, I've noticed this with dark chocolate. So I was wondering, are these all right to buy slash eat? And am I still vegan for doing this? Uh, Violet Lines UK. It's fine. Next question. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think we've all been there, like wondering if uh, what this means, like because it says traces, but that's exactly what it is. It's really like particulate matter, yeah. really tiny amounts that they're talking about. That's because uh, those products are made in factories where they process some of these other ingredients. It doesn't mean that it's in the product, but they just process it, so they have to put this warning if somebody is really badly allergic to it, right. I suppose. Like in a chocolate factory where they've got a barrel uh, where they make dairy milk chocolate, they clean it out before they make the dark chocolate. Yeah. And uh, there may be some small amount of the milk left over in the drum. Yeah. 
And that's how veggie burgers are made as well, I've heard. Like, in the really? same. Yeah, sometimes. I've heard that from somebody who worked in a... In the same machinery as meat? Yeah. I hmm. mean, I don't know if it's true. Not, not, <laughs> not all, hashtag not all veggie burgers. But, Maybe yeah. not. But, I mean, factories are like, they produce many different things. So right. it's hard to find a vegan factory, I suppose. But so, speaking of um, animal products sneaking into the production of otherwise innocent foods, uh, not many people realize that animal proteins are sometimes used in the clarification of wine and beer. Yeah. Uh, egg protein, milk protein, fish guts, nice. uh, <laughs> all kinds of weird shit. Yeah. But it's not really in the wine at the end. It it's helps just to filter. Right. It like helps the sediments to sink to the bottom. Yeah. Thankfully, it's not necessary. There are animal-friendly finding agents like bentonite, a kind of clay and limestone and even pea protein. And wineries in the US and Europe are not currently required to state whether their wines are vegan. But you have the website Barnivore, yep. where you can look these things up. Plus, some companies write on the label or on their website uh, when the wine is vegan. More and more companies are doing that. I like this wine uh, that Oxfam Fairtrade kindly sent us. It's the Census Extra Brut sparkling wine from Chile. Retail price? The retail price is nine fifty. Nine fifty. That's pretty reasonable it's for pretty a sparkling wine, I think. For yeah. sparkling wine. That's nice. It has a dry finish. Yes, it's pretty dry. I like that. I yeah, I really dislike sweet wines yeah, actually. Same, so same. that's uh, right up my street. Here it's saying it's intensely aromatic with citrus and mineral notes. I'd agree with that. We're not wine experts. No, but, we're not. Uh, <laughs> we know we, we've certainly drunk enough wine. Please drink responsibly. So we uh, <laughs> also they sent us this wine, but they didn't pay us to say it was good. I just want to make that clear. Mm. Uh, we can say whatever we want. But back to the question, um, is it all right to buy products that may contain etc., etc.? And is Violet Line still vegan for consuming them? There's nobody going to judge you for that. Um, I think everything is between you and your own conscience. And I think that it would be very impractical to try to find products that were only made in vegan factories, because I don't know about many vegan factories. So in that way, if you're doing your best, you know... And yeah, you... and that is the I think the vegan society definition. Yeah, that's it. Like... Veganism is a way of living which seeks to exclude, as far as is possible and practical, all forms of exploitation of and cruelty to animals for food, clothing, or any purpose. I think the emphasis is on seeks to. Mm, exactly. Because if you personally reject animal exploitation as part of your ethics, you know when you're doing your best, like... It's um... well, yeah. You you decide where to draw the line. You know, there's many issues to take into account, uh, and yeah. it's not only food; it's clothing. Indeed, yeah. It's uh, everything that you do. It's just about being more conscious of your decisions. Yeah, I think there's something uh, to say also about identity somewhere. Like, if you adopt vegan as like a part of your identity or something, and then you eat something that's not vegan, and you think, "No, I'm not a vegan anymore." Mm. But I don't know. That's not. No, Personally, that's not how I see it. Like veganism no. is just something I do. It's yeah. not my person. I, it's not it's a not, club. It's not a club. It's not like a medal. It's not like um, yeah. status or whatever. It's something you believe. It's something, yeah. And therefore, you align your actions with your belief as best you can. 
it's like um, many things where you you have ideals doesn't mean you always live up to them doesn't mean you're always your best self but you try to be in alignment with uh, what you believe yeah i agree <laughs> are we done with that one um yeah i think we solved it <laughs> yeah. <laughs> i think so if you have any comments on this issue you can leave them on uh, instagram teacher's table or uh, facebook teacher's table or on the podcast itself on teacherstable.com forward slash podcast. Teacher's Table. I'm delighted to welcome our first guest ever on the Teacher's Table podcast. He's got a big following on Instagram and now he's setting his sights on YouTube. Hmm. It's the Burger Dude. Hello. Watson, thanks for coming on the show. Thanks for having me. Now, for those of you listening who don't know the Burger Dude or Watson, Watson describes himself humbly as a vegan home chef, but I see you, Watson, being more a sort of vegan burger architect, elevating junk food to an art form oh, in itself. Thank you. That's very sweet. Well, people joke sometimes that vegans eat a sad and deprived diet of uh, grass and leaves, but the food you post on your Instagram is so joyful and so tantalizingly decadent that most people wouldn't even suspect that it's vegan. For the most part, people who aren't necessarily vegan who come on my page, they they know it's vegan. Um, I did purposely not put vegan in the, you know, I wasn't the vegan burger dude because I wanted to, you know, I, I guess there was a little bit of kind of a Trojan horse sort of strategy going on where I wanted to, you know, tag things with, you know, burger porn or whatever and get people in there and, not trick them, but just kind of show them like what you said that, you know, we don't just eat grass and, and smoothies yeah. and whatnot. So you are aware that you're putting out a sort of universal appeal. I mean, yeah, when you look at these pictures, uh, you can't tell if it's vegan or not. Right. I mean, that that was kind of my my M.O. from the beginning was to uh, try to reach people who were like me before I went vegan, because obviously, like, you know, I, I ate basically the same kind of food that I have on my Instagram, just the non-vegan version. So that's really who that, you know, I obviously love my vegan community and whatnot. Yeah. But for the most part, I, my target audience is people who aren't vegan yet, people who are trying to get there and I just want to help them along. And that's really kind of my big focus. So essentially you were already posting similar content before, but it was uh, far from vegan. It was beef patties uh, well no i never i never actually post i didn't post anything pre-vegan um what happened was i you know on my personal instagram that i had uh i started posting when beyond burgers came out i was like really into it so i was like posting like all the different kind of burgers that i would create with it and my girlfriend she said why don't you just make an instagram where you post all your burgers instead of, you know, showing our friends who probably don't care. And uh, so that's what I did. It was mostly, um, you know, me kind of getting into veganism and getting into what, what can you do with it? You know, I mean, on my personal Instagram, I definitely if I go back and I'll see some stuff that's, you know, it's kind of embarrassing now because it's a lot of eggs and cheese and stuff. Like right. That. But as far as the burger dude goes, that that's always been 100 percent vegan. So how did you feel about vegans at that point when you were posting these non-vegan things on your personal account? And what prompted you 
to eventually go vegan yourself? Um, I never had, I didn't really have a strong opinion for or against vegans. Um, I wasn't like hostile to them. I think I definitely thought they were kind of weird and didn't understand it, I suppose. Um, which is interesting though, because I do know that throughout my life, I've had moments of thinking about things that relate to veganism. Like for the, for instance, the very first time I ever even really considered where my food came from was way, way back. I remember I was with some friends and we got stoned and then we, or, you know, got some Carl's Jr. And I was eating a Western bacon cheeseburger, which is like my all time favorite fast food burger. And I started thinking about like, there's bacon and cheese. I think back then I was so like ignorant that I thought cheese came from chickens. So I thought like, oh, wow. So there was a pig, a chicken and a cow involved in this burger. And, and it really kind of messed with my head. You actually thought about it while you were eating the burger. That's not that common, I think. Really? Well, I think people. I mean, I was also in. I was. I was. I was stoned. I think when I get stoned, oh, okay, I get, uh, that helps, I get very. Yeah. I get very <laughs> analytical when I get stoned sometimes and think about things on a deeper level. And so, but what was interesting was like, after that, I was actually uh, vegetarian when I was stoned. I couldn't eat meat when I got stoned. After that, it it messed with my head too much. Huh? And I didn't know about obviously. I, did, I, I up until you know way too recently, I thought that cheese and eggs were, you know, not a consequence of any sort of cruelty. Um, so that's why I was, if, if somebody said, oh, well, you know, if, if back then, if I had watched something like Dairy is Scary, which is the thing that actually did make me go vegan, if I had seen Dairy is Scary when I was 20 years old, I probably would have gone vegan. I would have figured it out. Um, even back then in the dark ages of veganism, when all we had was like, you know, Boca burgers and stuff like that. But um, that's the thing. There's a lot more information about it these days. Yeah. With the sort of massive popularity of YouTube and lots of uh, those videos like Dairy is Scary you mentioned. That was what actually made you vegan. Is that fair to say? Yeah. I mean, I was um, I was already primed for it, though, because so that was in March of 2018. And that the New Year's that New Year's of 2018, that was my goal. I was said by the end of the year. I want to transition to veganism. And um, and then again, I was stoned. And I remember, you know, because the YouTube algorithm must have known that I was trying to become vegan. I saw Darius Scary popped up and I said, and it was five minutes long. And I said, ah, let's see. Let's see how bad it is. And I made it 90 seconds in and had to turn it off and felt felt so unbelievably awful about like what is going on in the world with animals and just decided I don't want to have anything to do with that. And I remember my girlfriend came home from work and I said, let's go vegan. Like now, like, let's just do it. And she was like, okay, she was fine with it. And you did it together. Yeah. Which is it's nice to have someone with you on that it's journey. Unbelievably nice. And, and that's the thing that I think definitely having her around. I mean, she was already, when we first started dating, she was pes pescatarian but we ate mostly vegetarian, you know, we lived together. So, you know, I remember when we first moved in, I would maybe occasionally cook chicken or something, but eventually, cause I like cooking with her. I like sharing food with her. Mm -hmm. It was just like, all right, well, you know, I can eat vegetarian. It's not a big deal. Um, so yeah, but yeah, having her around was immensely helpful. Um, and I think it definitely makes it like, I hear all the time people who, you know, they live with somebody or they're dating somebody who isn't vegan. And to me, it just sounds 
it's it sounds impossible to me just because like i like food is such a big thing and it would yeah. be hard for me to not be able to share a meal with somebody or something you know yeah i would find that very hard as well to be honest i find it hard even watching cooking shows sometimes the way they casually talk about animals as you know food or as a commodity yeah so someone to have someone very close to me not understand the way i feel for me that would be very hard but it would people it would. people do seem to get along i suppose with a lot of patience yeah. and love yeah. but uh, yeah i mean it, it must be very hard I, i'm not saying that you know uh that they're doing anything wrong necessarily just for me personally i have no idea i don't yeah sure, sure. i don't know how i would navigate that so you were strongly motivated going into veganism, but did you? Was it just easy after that, or did you stumble at all along the way? The only time I really, truly stumbled was uh, I went to a friend's. Um, I think they were having a yard sale, and it was just kind of a fun hangout. Like you know, let's hang out and, and sell stuff. And I think you know they were donating the proceeds, um, and so. I remember I just thought I'm just going to drink all day and that's fine. And I didn't really plan out like, what am I going to eat? Um, am I going to, mm. is there going to be vegan food there? Am I going to bring my own? I just kind of, I just didn't think about it because it wasn't something it was, this was the first time I went to something like this where I had to consider that. And I didn't. You do get snackish when you've had a few drinks. Of course. So we were there hanging out and then somebody actually brought some donuts and they brought some vegan donuts. So I was like, cool. Wow. So I had some vegan donuts and then, you know, it got later and I got hungrier and this person brought uh, some pizza that they had made, non-vegan pizza. And it was like this special like dough or something that they actually got from Italy or the sauce. Something about it was like very special. So all my friends are eating and they're like, oh, my God, this is the best pizza ever. And I was like, well, I'm not I'm not eating that because I'm vegan. And about an hour later, I was starving i wasn't starving i hate when people say they're starving i was very hungry yeah and uh i went to the bathroom but of course i have to to get to the bathroom i have to go through the kitchen and in the <laughs> kitchen were all these pizzas set up right oh, dear. and and i just looked at them and i said i said you know screw it and i grabbed a piece of cheese pizza and i went into the bathroom and i ate it in the bathroom because i didn't want any of my friends to see me eating it and go ha, you're not vegan anymore no, of course even though they wouldn't do that my my friends were actually very supportive. I, I'm, I'm very blessed that like my family and my friends have all been uh, super supportive. I don't I don't I'm I don't have any of uh, and I don't think I would be friends with anybody who would, you know, make fun of me or give me shit about being vegan. Um, but, yeah, I literally ate a piece of pizza in the bathroom and I didn't even really enjoy it because I just. Then I felt well, awful no, afterwards. You felt it, guilty, probably. I felt guilty. I didn't feel hungry anymore, which I guess was good. But it like, <laughs> yeah. and so after that, I kind of, I kind of figured out. Okay, so if I'm going to go do something like this, I need to make sure that I, I'm either bringing something, or you know, I plan it out somehow. And actually, it's it's kind of cool because now when I go, because I don't really have a lot of uh, vegan friends, and well, now I should say now when I go, I, I don't really go to parties anymore because you know because we're all in lockdown, mm. but before lockdown when i'd go to a party or whatever i would always bring something and it was always kind of my way of like showing people like look here here's some vegan fried chicken or whatever and most of the time almost all the times they would they would love it i had a friend i remember i went to a super bowl party and i made vegan nachos and he was eating them and he was like wow you can have this and be vegan and i'm like yeah <laughs> 
I wanted to say you killed two birds with one stone by sharing your vegan food and also having something to eat for yourself. Then I remember Peter came out with some alternative expressions for these uh, sayings that contain animal abuse in them. I can't remember what the one is for killing two birds with one stone. Something about scones. Oh, uh... <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah, there are it's funny how many colloquialisms we have that aren't very vegan. Yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> you can skin you more more than two ways to skin a cat or more than one way to skin a cat. Yeah. Oh, I remember the one for that. That's uh there's more than one way to peel a potato. I like that one. Like I could actually use that one with a straight face. You could even yeah. say there's more than one way to pet a cat. You could just change what you're doing oh, with the cat. Voila. Yeah, even better. Yeah. You can definitely pet a cat in the a good way and then in a bad way, as as every pet Absolutely. owner is, or cat owner. I shouldn't say cat owner. See, that's another thing, and that's another thing that I've been doing as companion. a companion. Yeah, I don't own my cat. You know, he's my he's my son. I you know, I'm his I'm his dad, and that's the other thing is 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 just unlearning all the conditioning that we've been brought up with yes and it's funny because like even the language in, is so insidious yeah i mean and it's still it's obviously still ingrained in my brain because i just said it just now even though i know not to you know i shouldn't be saying stuff like that or thinking about my see look at that think about my cat the way i don't know is he my cat is that <laughs> is that correct to say my cat i don't like, i think my son <laughs> i mean you would say oh, this is getting into complicated territory here because I was going to justify it by saying you know you would say my girlfriend but then that even has some implications (laughs) some subconscious implications of ownership yeah Yeah. I mean there's a language is very you know it's very powerful in that way we need to be aware of you know the effects of language for sure but we can also make mistakes and apologize and that's the whole thing is like yeah learning or unlearning and and learning and whatnot yeah for sure so basically the moral of that pizza story is uh if you're going to a party where you're going to be intoxicated be sure to bring a snack yes yes that's also kind of a rite of passage i think is to because if you don't make any mistakes, that's great. But like probably 99% of us make mistakes. And so I think it's good to learn how to cope with those mistakes. Well, and yeah, that's a, a lesson for life as well is that if you make a mistake, you need to be able to forgive yourself, not just throw in the towel, but, you know, pick yourself up yeah. and, uh, you know, align with your values again. Totally, totally. It is difficult to change your eating habits from one day to the yeah. next. And one reason, I think, is that we often don't appreciate just how emotionally connected we are to the food we eat. We take that part for granted. And you seem to be on a quest to veganize all your favorite fast food items from your past and even some that you haven't even eaten before. Yeah. What do you think has been your crowning achievement uh, mm. in veganizing these dishes so far oh. the most delicious or crazy mm. combo that you've come up with that's hard i just made a, i know i sprung that on you i just made the that california cheesesteak i was really proud of that one uh and that is essentially um like a it's it's technically not a cheesesteak because it was served on the, that's the thing like when you make something like this is like this, but this, you're going to get people from that area saying, ah, oh, you're doing it wrong, mm. which is fine. I don't really care. <laughs> but it, there's a, a thing called a California burrito out here. It's got carne asada, French fries, cheese, and 
sour cream and guacamole. And so I am terrible at rolling burritos. It's something I need to get better at. And I thought, why don't I just put it in a cheesesteak form? So it's like on a hoagie roll. So that was something I, that, that was, that's the last thing I made that I was like, ah, oh, that was, that was pretty good. Um, it did look very beautiful. Thank you, know, you. I wish I could taste some of these things. <laughs> but uh, being from the UK, in a in a funny way, a lot of the stuff you make is very exotic because we'd never heard of these things. Hmm. Some sometimes we don't know what you're talking about. But you know, <laughs> your Instagram is a very visual medium, and you don't need to explain it really. Hmm. And likewise, when I see stuff that people from the UK post, that is totally new to me i it doesn't take it it's very visual it's very and visceral too it's like oh wow beans and potatoes and cheese i get it like you know what i mean so um like one of my favorites is uh dirty ginger vegan Mm -hmm. and ugly vegan they post some unbelievable stuff that i i just i can't i can't get enough of of those two um but yeah i don't know i don't know what my it's hard for me to, to figure out what my, I, I do. And like you said, I do. I also do a lot of like regional mm-hmm. uh, stuff. Like there's the Alabama, you know, or sorry, not Alabama, uh, Oklahoma, like fried onion burger, you know? So it's like, I don't know. There's, there's, that's the thing that's so awesome about American food is it's so ridiculous and over the top a lot of the times. And so that's, it's just inherently really fun uh, but it's even more fun when you make it vegan and you take out all the <laughs> animal exploitation. <laughs> Absolutely, I think yeah. that's what I think that's why I like what I do so much, and I think it's why people, you know, seem to respond to what I'm doing is because it's it's taking out all the negative aspects. Maybe not all not all of them, but the parts of, of it that are not as fun. <laughs> <laughs> your burgers and your other dishes have a very maximalist uh, kind of approach while your photography of them is bold in its simplicity no pretentious decorations or compositions you know like in some almost all food photography for some reason there's like a cloth draped across the composition to tell a story but then if they all have the cloth in it what is the story anyway i'm getting (laughs) off on a a rant there no no i uh, I understand what you're saying um you know what i mean yeah so so there is a an instagram account called joe's vegan food gram i think that's yeah joe's vegan food gram and he he does a lot of these uh all of his posts are similar to mine in the sense that or I should say mine are similar to his because he's been doing this a lot longer than me but he ha- he does a, a simple white sort of backdrop mm-hmm. and I definitely was influenced by him uh it's interesting because sometimes I'll have people who will see his stuff and they'll send it to me like hey this guy's ripping you off and I'm like no it's actually <laughs> the other way around <laughs> he's he's the OG you know and so I think that's what happened was when I was trying to figure out what am I going to do? I think what I liked about his style was that it was the fo- the focus was on the food, yeah. And um, I I really just kind of resonated with that, and I just thought you know I I want to make my stuff as simple and as like uh, legible as possible. And in addition to that, um, I'm also just kind of like lazy and doing all of that kind of storytelling and and set dressing. Uh, it's, it's a lot of work. It's, yeah. it's hard to be good at it. Like the composition skills that you need. I actually kind of dabbled it in a little bit um, a while back. 
and it was fun, but I also kind of felt like it kind of was a departure from, you know, what I was doing and, and maybe even like what was best for the page. So I kind of went back to my roots and just, you know, kind of did the in your face, simple sort of right. no, ba- no backdrop sort of but thing. But with the white background, you know, it really works. It's like it, the burger was sent from heaven. You know? <laughs> <laughs> it's, it just somehow fits perfectly. Yeah. I mean, um, again, it's, it's mostly because it's mostly because I just, um, I don't want to say I'm, I'm lazy, I guess, but it, it really no, I, I don't of... believe that you're lazy. I mean, you post almost, <laughs> is it every day you post? It's no, very... I, like three or four times a week probably is what well, I've been it's doing still recently. I, I, I tried doing every day and it, it's it's tough. It's, it's easier to do... Uh, once I started doing like the YouTube and doing the... And, and blogging and, and putting kind of more effort into stuff, uh, it was harder to... Because I used to just basically make something for lunch and then post it the next day so I could post every day. Yeah. But now with all the other work that I'm putting into it, it's a little bit tar- harder to do that, so... So do you make things just to photograph them? Like- I'll, I'll definitely... If it's like just a burger, I usually will eat that unless it's a really, you know, crazy huge burger. Then that means I probably split it with with either my girlfriend or, you know, we live in a, a kind of a duplex... So sometimes I'll tell my neighbor, hey, are you, are you guys in the mood for, you know, a Western bacon cheeseburger or whatever? And they're always like, yeah, you know, and they're and they're not vegan and, and they they love my yeah they love every time I, I just made them uh, I just made them some like fried mushroom po'boys yesterday. And, mm-hmm. and he's like, my favorite thing you've made so far. So oh, that's cool. Yeah, that's great, too, because then I get like kind of a non-vegan sort of approval, too. You know what I mean? Which is kind of good. Right. I mean, it's important. It's it's important, especially considering kind of what my my mission is, you know? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Now, I've been following your Instagram stories as well for a while now, and I noticed that you're not shy about taking a stand and expressing your political viewpoint regarding things other than veganism as well, like Black Lives Matter mm-hmm. and... Uh, yeah. A lot of different topics that you voice your opinion on. Yeah. So I was wondering to myself, do you consider yourself an intersectional vegan? Uh, yeah, for sure. I mean, veganism is based in being against oppression. So I feel like to be morally consistent, you have to be anti-oppression of all, you know, all sentient beings, whether they're non-human animals or humans. I've only been vegan for two and a half years or so. And in that time, I was very, I I guess, sheltered and privileged because I just assumed that all vegans were progressive people who, you know, shared shared the same kinds of ideals as me. And then obviously the past few months have have revealed that that's not the case. And so Mm. for me, it's about calling that out when you see somebody who is being, you know, racist or homophobic or any sort of bigoted, person you you need to call them out because right. a it's just a is just the right thing to do i mean it's just you should just be anti-racist and anti-oppression um but even like i guess what here's what doesn't make sense to me about being a racist vegan besides just kind of on the surface sort of like how it doesn't really make a lot of sense is even from a like you want to make veganism uh you know mainstream then you need to be as inclusive as possible, right? So even from just a purely like 
strategic like strategy sort of point of view yeah it doesn't make sense to be uh a racist or a homophobe or any of, of those kinds of you know uh things it's just yeah it just doesn't make sense to me and so i guess for me i've always been very um you know i don't want to say outspoken but i've always been very open about like how i feel about you know things in 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 the world and so for me it was just kind of a natural extension to just go ahead and start posting things that weren't necessarily directly related to veganism because I don't know. It just it's part it's part of what I've always done and it just kind of makes sense to do it, you know. It's not something that started after you went being you always that way. Yeah, I mean, I I was always kind of uh <laughs> an obnoxious like, you know, lefty liberal whatever you want to. I mean, I know there's pe- people like to people make the distinction. There's definitely a distinction between liberals and leftists, but I was uh, you know, before I uh, yeah, I was always that person on Facebook who was yelling at people and telling them to stop being assholes basically and well that's great <laughs> you know the thing w- about veganism is is when you t- when that switch goes off in your head like it did for me mm. and you start to realize oh my god my whole life i've been part of this system i've been directly supporting this oppressive system and i didn't even know it you know um yeah and then i think that's been uh, for for me and for a lot of you know, people over the past few months, I think that that's been the same with um, realizing how just being non-racist is still in a way kind of being complicit in this system um, and not really and not and not realizing that, not knowing that, oh, you have to actually be anti-racist. You have to fight against this uh, in order for it to align with your own moral compass. Um, that was a big realization for me. And I think for a lot of people, you know, was that, uh, just, just sitting on the sidelines and is, is being complicit basically. And yeah. So I think that that, that's where you kind of, once you kind of learn or unlearn like the conditioning, whether it be towards, you know, animals or any other oppressed group, then you can kind of assess how you need to carry on after that. And I think that's, important Mm -hmm. i think it's hard also to accept that you're part of that system like we deny that we're involved even though we know on some well maybe we don't know at all but when you go to the other side and you stop being directly involved i mean in a way we're all involved in systematic oppression but when you when you consciously make this decision not to be directly involved then you can allow yourself to start opening your mind a bit and accepting the wrongs that you've been a part of. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I personally learned a lot, an embarrassingly large amount through uh, Instagram stories and, you know, informational cards that are shared uh, in that way. Yeah, for sure, same. So you you would say that it's an effective form of activism then to uh, share Uh, uh, information. Yeah, definitely. Through your stories. Definitely, especially, you know, especially... um, in this day and age, and especially when people are locked in at home, and and you know what I mean, like yeah. I and, and I was um I was reading somewhere that some someone was saying like why why was it the the George Floyd incident that got everybody to finally kind of stand up and listen, yeah, and and do some and and really you know put pressure, and someone was saying it's because everyone's in lockdown right now, and everyone who is not normally oppressed 
might feel kind of oppressed right now. And then on top of that, everyone has so much time Yeah. where, you know, usually what would happen is something like that would happen and everyone would be distracted. Oh, I got to go to my job. I have all this stuff to do. And it's like, oh, you know, how, how could I not, you know, fight for stuff right now? <laughs> I'm just sitting at home. So it, it was, mm-hmm. it was kind of a mixture. I think of those two kinds of things that really, uh, helped people to kind of finally come to the realization that something, you know, has to change basically. That reminds me, have you heard of uh, the historian Rutger Brechmann? Mm-mm. He's a Dutch guy. He's been in the press a lot. So basically uh, something he talks about a lot is how poor people make bad decisions. And that's nothing against poor people, but very understanding, in fact, of their um situation that when we have limited time uh, we have limited money we make bad decisions because we're stressed is actually the stress that causes us to right. make bad decisions and i think it's a similar thing politically when we're working one job maybe two jobs maybe three jobs or more who has the time to think about anything you know But right. at this point in time, we had a little moment where we had only time yeah. to think about things. Yeah, for sure. I mean, and it's it's interesting that you bring that up because like that's kind of how I think about like when people talk about things like crime and, and um, they they never think about how crime is is linked to resources and is linked to things like education and healthcare. And, and that, and it's, it's just boggles my mind that people can't just like simply look at like simple, simple statistics and, and analysis of these statistics and come to the conclusion like, oh, the reason why, you know, poor communities have higher rates of crime is because they have less resources and they're also over-policed. You know what I mean? And, and that's the whole thing is like, I think that's, what's really interesting being a kid who grew up in like, you know, mostly white middle-class suburbs uh i I never had too many run-ins with the the cops you know what i mean i think the only time i had a run-in with a cop was one time i was standing up in the back of my friend's truck and flipping people off you know as we drove by and a cop told us not to do that (laughs) um you know and i think that's the thing is people say like when they when we talk about you know defunding the police and people go what is what does that even look like like what would that mean And people say, well, it looks like a white middle class suburb because they have the resources that don't, uh, you know, lead to people committing crimes and then lead to people being over policed. That's what it looks like. And right. To me, that's just like the, it's like it's so simple. And it's like maybe I shouldn't say it's not nuanced because it doesn't feel nuanced to me. It feels like it's like, you know, this equals this. Mm. It's really like it's really that simple. And I think the difficult part is obviously implementing the policies that we need. And that's where that's where the struggle is, really. It's it's from the top down, basically, unfortunately. And that's what that's what that's what everyone is, you know, that's what everyone's striving for. Yeah, I mean, when you're already in trouble, it just takes one incident to push you over the edge. I'm sure. I mean, totally. from the European perspective, the American healthcare system looks like an absolute nightmare. Uh, It is. (laughs) (laughs) I mean... It's awful. Things are not ideal here, you know, by any means, but uh, there there are people 
receiving no care just because they don't have the financial yeah. means. That's really, um, that's shocking. It's immoral. Yeah, it's definitely immoral. Yeah. Anyways, I could, t- I could talk about this Yeah, stuff. me too. I, I didn't I, realize I could talk about getting, this stuff as much as I... We're <laughs> getting uh, off topic, and I'll bring us back. We, we started yeah. talking about this because of <laughs> the events surrounding George Floyd. And uh, at that time, Instagram was ablaze, you know, with uh, discussion. And thanks to that, uh, a lot of black yeah. voices got raised through that. Mm-hmm is dying down now. We should still be talking about this more. Yeah. But uh, thankfully, I I and lots of people got some insight. I, I discovered a load of uh, black creators that I was so grateful to discover. I don't know the percentage, but I think black Americans are the fastest growing demographic of, uh, in veganism. Is that right? Yeah, yeah that's, that's, that's my understanding, yeah. But before that, I had a few of the big names that I was following, but I didn't know about anyone else. And suddenly I, you know, thankfully I'm following a lot more people. Who did you discover at that time? I presume you you also. Yeah. Um, Let's see. So I like uh, another junk food vegan. Have you heard of her? Oh, is that the name? Another junk food vegan? Oh, another junk food. I vegan. thought you were just referring to it in relation to yourself. <laughs> no, I, no, I don't no, know. No, no, no. I don't know that. Uh, and then uh, shamelessly fabulous. She did um, the way that I saw her was she did this thing, this video where she showed you how to squeeze out your tofu after you freeze it, and if you let it, uh, I think the way that you do it is you don't let it thaw completely. You get it so that it's kind of like half frozen. And you can just like squeeze it with your bare hands and just get all the the water out. And she also showed me, uh, so do they have, this is such a silly question. Do they have avocado toast over there in Europe? Is that a big thing over there? Oh, definitely. Yeah, that's a huge, huge phenomenon. So she she did uh, avocado toast, but she used hash browns instead of bread which I thought was pretty brilliant. Oh, yeah. Um, another account that I like is uh, Plant-Based G-Life. And he does, I mean, he, every one of his posts. I, and he, I am. He's one of those guys where it's like, you know, you see when, when his posts show up, I know that it's him. Um, mm-hmm. And then... Uh, I just started following him yesterday. Oh, yeah? Yeah. He's awesome. And then I, I really like uh, Plant Crazy. Lloyd, I think Lloyd Rose is his name. And um, Kindred Vegan Souls, she does some amazing stuff. And then Turnip Vegan as well. He also runs a uh, cafe, a vegan cafe called Spoiled Vegans down in San Diego, which I actually need to get down and check out. But coronavirus has unfortunately made it difficult to do that. But I think I'm just going to, one of these days, we're just going to make a trek down to San Diego and and check it out anyways. Although I'm interviewing you, I do want to add... one name. I mean, there's lots of accounts that I started following, and now they've got hundreds of thousands of followers since I last you know, checked. But uh, uh, Muriel Banakissa, she's still at like ten or thirteen thousand, and she deserves a hundred thousand or more. She posts the most beautiful uh, food photography, vegan food photography. That's my tip. Oh wow! I'm I'm just looking at her stuff right now. This yeah, beautiful. It, Wow, yeah. And also on YouTube, uh, really nice. Like if you're wanting to up your game in, not you, but in general, <laughs> to up your game in um, food photography, she's got some nice tutorials on YouTube as well. That's my uh, tip before we move on. I mean, uh, and speaking, oh, sorry, yeah, go on. What, what, what's, her, what's her YouTube? 
Is it just your name? Uh, I think it's just her name, yeah. Uh, so it's Muriel, M-U-R-I-E-L-L-E, Banakissa, B-A-N-A-C-K-I-S-S-A. I need to be good about better about like with the Burger Dude YouTube. I'm not very like active and like subscribing and like checking out other people. I need to be better about that. Well, there you go. This one, this is my tip. <laughs> and thank you. Speaking of demographics, there's one topic that I'm very interested in is uh, the ratio of male to female vegans i think generally and if you look at like the insights the reporting on instagram and other social media services you get a split that's usually about 70 percent people who identify as female and 30 percent people who identify as male and obviously this is an artificial divide that lacks uh, nuance but that's those are the figures you get when you look at these insights and uh, since there's something stereotypically manly about a big juicy burger, I just wondered <laughs> if your ratio looks something like that, or or if there are more men who follow you. No, it. I think you. I think you're exactly right. I th- I, I can't remember the exact number, but it's around like yeah, 65 or 70 percent are women versus men. I asked my girlfriend. I said, "Why do you think that is?" And she was like. I don't know. Women are just more compassionate and men are bigger assholes. I don't know. Like that was like the. <laughs> I mean, that that is it. I mean, that's the evidence is there. Yeah. But why is it so? I've, I think, I think there's it's something about masculinity. Yeah, it's toxic masculinity. It's just kind of classic like patriarchy sort of, you know, bullshit. Um, it's interesting that like uh, that that when you think about um, these animals that supposedly we you know these these manly men are feel so masculine about dominating they're defenseless little animals so it's like you know what i mean like and not that it's pathetic it's really pathetic and 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 that doesn't mean that i would assign someone being masculine if they went out and you know killed a bear with their bare hands i would think you know i would think they were stupid for trying to fight a bear but I, I, I don't... Well, that's the crazy thing. This this kind of idea of masculinity is thousands of years outdated. Yeah. Like, who needs to kill a bear or stab a, an animal to get their dinner? Right. I mean, for most people, there is... I mean, that's the thing. It's like, see, so we're getting into the territory where it's like, oh, well, you know, what about you know, uh, people who need to hunt in order. And it's, and I think it's important for us, even though our, you and I are not talking about people who absolutely need to hunt for survival. No, we're talking about the vast majority of people who do have access to, uh, vegan food and, and because there is a huge Venn diagram of people who have access to vegan food who make these kind of ridiculous sort of claims. I mean, it's, Almost all of them. (laughs) Yeah. I think probably 100%. Probably. (laughs) So you're very comfortable with it. You don't feel your masculinity is uh, threatened by posting vegan burgers. But (laughs) uh, you look very healthy to me in your videos and so on. You look like you're in great physical condition. So I'm just presuming you don't eat burgers for (laughs) breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Um, No, not normally. I, I definitely go through phases where I'll eat uh, more, you know, what people would call vegan junk food, uh, than more whole food, plant-based sort of stuff. But yeah, no, I, I would say that, you know, um, 
aside from the stuff that I post, you know, I, I do try and eat uh, a little bit healthier. My girlfriend is definitely a good, she's the good influence. I'm kind of the bad influence, you know? Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, no, for sure. Uh, like tonight we're going to have, I think, you know, black eyed peas and, and rice and greens and stuff like that. So for the most part, and, and, and that, that's the thing is like, I, I love eating that way too. Um, that's one of my favorite things about going vegan was discovering all these kinds of new dishes because like what what's one of your favorite uh discoveries uh well definitely like i just said black eyed peas uh um and collard greens never had collard greens before they're delicious brussels sprouts um sweet potatoes never really even ate tofu all that much um i think the only time i ever ate tofu before going vegan was at this place that would make um like an orange chicken but with tofu so so if i ate tofu it usually was deep fried and covered in like orange sauce and whatnot but yeah i mean i that's the thing i think is is it's so interesting and i've seen people post memes like this where they talk about how you know being vegan is doesn't mean giving up foods it actually means discovering all these other foods that you yeah. had you really had no idea about and i think that's that's something that doesn't get talked about uh, nearly as much as it should be is that you know I don't miss, I really don't miss any of the food that I used to eat. Um, well, that's and, the thing. When, you, when you're eating a like, completely delicious meal, are you thinking about the meals that you're not eating? No. Exactly. I mean, you're just enjoying what you're eating and you're looking forward to the next discovery. Right. I think. Yeah. And I think that's also the thing about that a lot of people who they... They don't understand. For one thing, I mean, there's and then there's also the the common kind of uh, you know argument made against people who eat meat. Like, well, yeah, you like meat, but you only like it after you season it with a bunch of plants, you know. And mm-hmm. and likewise, you know, uh, even the components of meat that you like, it's mostly like you like fat. Fat tastes good, right? Yeah. So if you can have something that still has those kinds of uh, like flavor profiles then why does it matter if it's from plants and i yeah. think that's kind of something that people don't like when you're eat like yeah it's just it doesn't make sense to me basically i and 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 you can have like like i'm now that i'm thinking about like i'm also kind of hungry right now but i'm thinking about that dinner that we're gonna make tonight and it's like it's super flavorful and it has nothing to do with you know any of the things i mentioned before like fat and whatnot like it's actually like whole food plant-based mm-hmm. and Wow! It's send me the recipe. Okay, I think we just kind of we just kind of like improvise it a lot of time. Do you guys do you guys have uh, Cajun seasoning out there? Yeah, that's kind of my favorite thing to do is just take a bunch of Cajun seasoning and just you know throw a bunch of that in whatever I'm eating. That's kind of my right um, my kind of quick catch all sort of way to make stuff taste good um, or hot or hot sauce. <laughs> Now it's about uh, noon there, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's and you you already know what you're having for dinner. Do you always plan your meals ahead, like a whole day in advance? Uh, yeah. Well, usually what hap- what happens is uh, when my girlfriend, so I work from home, and she she you know she goes to uh, she she's a a PTA, a physical therapy assistant. So she goes every morning to go do that, and she'll will kind of be like, "What do you want to have tonight?" You know, we'll think of something. And, you know, I'll try and either make it before she gets home, like, well, like on her way home or if I'm busy, she'll make it. But, yeah, we kind of generally try and plan out what we're going to eat that night for breakfast. It's kind of like, 
you know, whatever, sometimes like, it's just like whatever I can get in my mouth basically. Well, it's been really nice talking to you, Watson, but we've gone way over time. Actually, <laughs> I'm not going to keep you any longer. Yeah. Um, it's been really fun and interesting talking to you and to yeah. our listeners. I would say I highly recommend following Watson's various social media escapades and he's now making video tutorials, like I said. So find him on YouTube. There's links to all of his social media channels on his website, theburgerdude.com. That's the with two E's. <laughs> Anything you'd like to add to that, Watson, before we sign off? No, I mean, this was really fun. It was really good to finally meet and talk to you. And uh, I would love next time if we ever get a chance to sit down and talk again, I'd love to talk about some of the stuff that you do, because I think what you do is pretty freaking amazing as well and uh i would love to see well you're very kind i would love to see more people seeing what you're doing because that was the thing when i found your stuff i was like why does this guy not have like twenty thousand followers at least like you're doing some really amazing well stuff. you know i'm i'm seeking things out i'm seeing what i can do like the podcast for example yeah the thing is i don't i don't want to post for the sake of posting i know it's very much encouraged to post as often as possible but my thing that I get excited about is like innovating, doing something unseen, something yeah. that's never been done. I mean, that sounds a bit pretentious maybe, but I like, for no, me, but... when I was a kid, I wanted to be an inventor. So that's kind of the spirit that I operate in. Right. And uh, so, yeah, I if I can't post recipes every day, then maybe I can do stuff like this. So I, I really appreciate you coming on the podcast. Uh, for sure. And uh, yeah, just thank you very much. And, and thank you. Uh, hope to talk again at some Would point. love to talk again, yeah. John and Val. Vegan wines with John and Val. <laughs> so we got some user feedback about your question, Violet Lines. And uh, so I'll start at the beginning here. Uh, Plants in my pants, oh, sorry, plants in my pants Goodness. would rhyme better. It's an American, American person. says, uh, it's still vegan to buy products that say may contain traces of dairy or eggs. They're processed on the same equipment, but you aren't contributing to the demand for animal products. Obviously, don't buy may contain products if you have an allergy. Yes, that's very wise. That's what we said there. <laughs> yeah. Pretty much. I got another message here from plant-based Fran, uh, who has his own podcast. You should check it out. He says, Hey, I work for a big food retailer in the UK, and I can confidently say that when supplier state may contain traces of, it means that they don't have any dedicated facilities for vegan products, and therefore there may be traces after cleaning down other non-vegan products. We can only state that it's vegan when it doesn't contain allergies. In short, may contain traces, may contain food allergies. So there you have it. Now, if you have a dilemma for us, you can send it to podcast at teacherstable.com or use the contact form on the site. That's all for today. If you've enjoyed listening, then do subscribe to the podcast so you can catch the next one. If you haven't enjoyed listening, then I'm very impressed that you stuck it out this far. In any case, join us next time when I'll be tackling a more challenging issue with Val and interviewing vegan food photographer and blogger Romy London. Bye-bye. Well, I'm really working on not trying to judge other people's decisions and other people's opinions because I don't walk in their shoes. Like, I don't know 
what kind of history they've had and what kind of experiences that may they've had in the past that have led them to this action or to this decision.